Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Let's all stand up together. Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Welcome to all of our campuses, guys in Stevens Point and Appleton, those of you joining us online, wherever you're at today, it is good to have you with us here at Celebration Church this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark is actually in South Africa, who actually most of our front row happens to be from South Africa, so they're all cheering. But uh, he's in South Africa this morning. Uh, He had a uh, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage conference he was doing there and actually uh, preaching at Gary Rivas' church as well, who preaches here from time to time, so pretty cool. That's where he's at. He will be back for Easter Sunday, and just uh, good to be with everyone today. Uh, It is Palm Sunday, and I want to read the account of Palm Sunday out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. It says this, uh, after Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say that the Lord needs it. So basically he sends uh, his disciples to go get a colt. They're basically stealing it. And he's saying, hey, if the guy's wondering why you're taking it, just say the Lord needs it. And I guess they're just going to let him take it. And so the disciples go out and the guy lets them take the colt. And, uh, and as they were untying it, its owners asked them, hey, why are you untying my colt? And they replied that the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. And they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground, and when he came near the road that goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he was performing great miracles, and the crowds were beginning to gather, and they were singing his praises as he began to enter into Jerusalem, and they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees, when they saw this, they didn't like all that loud yelling and praising Jesus' name, and they got mad, and they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Moral of the story here is that if you don't praise Jesus, you can be replaced with a rock. So you got to praise God in your lives. He can replace you with a rock. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus began to weep over the city. And he said, if even you had known on this day what would bring you peace. Somehow they didn't quite understand what Jesus was up to. He said, but now it is hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Today is Palm Sunday, the day that begins Holy Week for the church. And on Good Friday, we will reflect on Jesus' death On Easter, we will celebrate that Jesus is alive with his resurrection. And all these events happen during this holy week. Now, Jesus, he knew that these things were going to happen to him, and he talked to his disciples about it many times. But somehow they didn't quite understand. It was just kind of flying over their heads that Jesus was going to be arrested, that he would be crucified, that he would die, that he was going to raise from the dead. They didn't quite understand what it was he was talking about. And we, 2,000 years later, we've got the opportunity to kind of reflect on this story and see what did Jesus, what was he talking about, and what does this mean to us? So today, on this Palm Sunday, I want to look at what the significance of this particular day was in Jesus' time, and look at what this day can mean to us right here, right now, today. When you look at Palm Sunday, we see a longing amongst the Jewish people for a king. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to be the king, and he came to establish his kingdom. But what kind of king would Jesus be? And what kind of a kingdom would he looking to establish? Jesus, in this Palm Sunday moment, was doing something in this story that was huge. It was significant, it was meaningful, it was very intentional, and he was creating a buzz in the city of Jerusalem that wasn't necessarily all that typical of Jesus' style. He didn't do a lot of this sort of thing. But it's a bit of showmanship on his part. And Jesus really meant that his actions on that day would be something that would create a huge stir in that city. The significance of Palm Sunday and what Jesus was up to in this moment is huge. His ministry was coming to a climax, and his entrance into Jerusalem was during the celebration of Passover. This was the biggest festival in the history of the Jewish people. In their calendar, in their year, they would come together and celebrate this day and the season of Passover. And just like people have a destination of where they go, it's spring break right now, and people love to go to their destinations, and they go worship some other kind of king, not the kind of king we're thinking about here. But they go, and they do these things, and they flock into a city. And historians would say that somewhere between 300,000 to a million Jewish people would flock into this area of Jerusalem during this festival. And you might be familiar with the story of Passover. The Jewish people, they were under slavery to the Egyptians. And God told Pharaoh through Moses, you might remember the scene where Moses says, let my people go, right? Big voice, not really, probably. But he says, let my people go. And what did Pharaoh do? He didn't listen to God, did he? And he didn't let the people go. And so God sends these plagues and he turned water into blood. And there were gnats and there were flies and there were frogs and there were boils. And it was not a fabulous time to be an Egyptian. And Pharaoh yet still would not listen to God. So God sends a final plague, and the firstborn of every household was going to be killed, except for those that had spread lamb's blood over the doorpost of their homes. And the people that did that, the death angel would pass over those homes. Jesus comes into Jerusalem 
to be the Lamb of God that would be slain. It's very symbolic of this time. And during this season of Passover, the Jewish people would come together to remember that God delivered them. And that is why Jesus now is in Jerusalem. And just like they would gather to remember the time that God delivered them, the Passover would serve as this promise that if God delivered them once before, that God could do it again. If God did something once, he can do it again, and they needed to be delivered. We got another great thing to celebrate this time of year other than Easter. It is also March Madness, is it not? And did the Badgers win? Amen. Badgers won. And Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, if they did it before, they can do it again. There's something about winning that breeds confidence, doesn't it? And you got to remind yourselves of those wins. Maybe Aaron Rodgers during the halftime was telling those guys, hey, you did it once before, and you can do it again. You can do this. You can win. And they have to remind themselves, and they're calling back to mind that God was faithful, and that's what the Passover was there to remind them of. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says this in verse 21. It says, yet I call this to mind, and I have, therefore I have hope. Why do we need to call it to mind? Because we are prone to forget. We're prone to forget God's goodness, his faithfulness, that he's on our side. So you gotta remind yourselves. It says, because of the great Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Passover celebrations were about calling to mind that God is faithful and that he delivered them once and he will do it again. And at this time of Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, they were under another oppression, they were under Roman occupation, and the Jewish people were once again looking for a king that would bring about a new kingdom. And the people, they're all kinds of fired up, and they are there to remember that God delivered them from the hands of an imperial ruler. And now they are once again under the hands of another imperial ruler by the name of Caesar. They were ruled by Caesar. They were taxed by Herod. They were taken advantage of by corrupt Jewish leadership. And they were looking for a king. One of the other characters in this Palm Sunday story is Pilate. We mention his name during the Apostles' Creed. And he was put in place as the Roman prefect during this time to keep order and to keep things going normal in his jurisdiction. And he's here at this time, and in comes riding Jesus. Jesus, who for the past several years has been healing the sick. He's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been forgiving sins, and he's been ticking off the religious leaders of the day. And he was talking about the kingdom of God. And the Jewish leaders, they wanted him gone. The Roman leaders wanted him gone. And Jesus is there, after just three days earlier, raising Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. The Bible said that Lazarus was so dead that his body stinketh. The guy was dead, dead. And Jesus raises him from the dead. And Jesus is there. And the Jewish people are thinking that Jesus might just be this kind of leader that they were looking for. Someone so powerful enough to overthrow the Roman occupation that they were under. And imagine Jesus. He'd been healing 
those that were sick and raising Lazarus and performing these great miracles and feeding the multitudes. The crowds at this point began to just really gather around them and they were very excited. So they welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem with palm branches and crying out, Hosanna, which meant help us, save us, deliver us we pray, or it might have sounded like save us, save us now, save us now, we pray, being cried out over and over again. So Jesus comes riding in on a colt, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah would come riding in on the back of a colt. And the people knew of Jesus' reputation, so when he comes riding in, the scene is explosive. And we like to think maybe at this point, the Jewish people, they're praising his names. Maybe, maybe they know what is going on at this point, but they didn't. Somehow they missed what Jesus was. They were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a leader that would overthrow the Roman occupation. They were looking for an earthly kingdom where all would be made right. And what they missed, what even his disciples missed, was here is the Son of God who is literally coming in as the Lamb of God to lay down his life for mankind. And less than a week later, the same people who were shouting blessings to Jesus were, and crying out Hosanna. In less than a week, these were the same people that were shouting crucify him, crucify him before Pilate and the Sanhedrin. And I think that sometimes in our lives, we are guilty of the exact same thing. And with, while we might be praising God and thanking him for his goodness in our lives in less than a week, we might be yelling out, crucify him, crucify him with our words and with our actions. So this Palm Sunday, how do you fit into the story and how does this story fit in for our lives? Are we gonna be like those in Jesus' time who were looking for the wrong kind of king and the wrong kind of kingdom? Or when things don't go our way, we turn our backs on God? Or will we enter into this concept of the kingdom of God? We pray this every Sunday. We say in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. Whatever your position in life is, we are to be about his kingdom business in this world. This stuff is for moms. This is for dads and kids and students. This is in the workplace. This is with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and to the world. Wherever it is that our feet tread, wherever it is that we walk, we have the opportunity to be about God's sovereign kingdom work in this world. So where did the people in Jesus' day get it wrong. Really, they turned their backs on God when this king who came in was not what they expected. And the kingdom didn't come in with tanks blazing like they thought it would be. And in a very real way, we, each and every one of us, will face holy weeks in life where we expect one thing and we get another. And one minute we're singing Hosanna and the next we are shouting crucify him. So a couple different ways that I see this playing in our lives. Number one, on Sunday, you might be praising God and singing Hosanna only to be shouting, crucify him Monday through Saturday with your actions and words. Here's the thing 
about Sundays and coming into church. We are approaching Easter. And this time of year, all across the United States and all around the world, churches will have some of the greatest attendance numbers of the year. And the reason why is that all of the Christers come out, right? Those that go to church on Christmas and Easter, it's like a Michael Jackson video where they start coming out, right? And you know who you are, and we love you, and we're glad that you're here. There's something inside of you that's pulling you towards God, and we're glad that you're responding to it. But we live in a culture where a lot of people, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, and while many who believe might be giving praise to God on Sunday, and by the way, most research and statistics out there will show numbers somewhere along these lines, that 37% of the population, when polled, will, in America will attend church on a weekly or what they call a regular basis. Now, when people fill out polls, we also know that they tend to pick the one that they want to be like. So the numbers are actually closer to like 17%. 17% of people in America will attend church on a regular basis. 33% of the population attends church about once a month. 30% of the population will not attend church at all in the course of a year. And what that means is that many who will come to one of our Celebration Church campuses this morning will come from a habit, will come from a lifestyle approach, will come from a culture where regular church attendance just is not a part of it. So you can kind of go through life. You can kind of go through what might be your Christian experience without realizing that you've not really connected in the way that you need to be connected. And if you do that, it's going to be really easy to go from a Palm Sunday moment where the praises of God are on our lips to a moment like Good Friday where we're yelling crucify him if we don't regularly connect in with the rhythm of going to church. Psalm 92 verse 12 says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So it talks about flourishing and it, it talks about growing. It talks about a cedar that's got roots that go deep into the ground giving it stability in life. And it says this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and they will stay green. How many of you would like some of that in your life? Staying fresh, staying green, growing, stability, deep roots, that sort of thing. This is how we can begin to succeed as followers of Jesus Christ. The starting point is moving to being in this concept of planted in the house of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of, righteous, of godliness. If we're going to become who God created us to be, we've got to be disciplined in how we connect in at church. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. I love to cook. Anyone like to cook? I like a sharp knife when I cook. For some reason, for me, it even makes the food taste better if it's cut well. There's just something about a sharp knife, isn't there? And a knife, when you use it, what happens to it? It gets dull over time, right? So you gotta sharpen the knife. You gotta take the rough edges off a knife. And through a course of life, we get rough edges around us. And the Bible is saying that people in your life will help you like a knife gets sharpened. You can take the rough edges off and it can cut well. 
Life is the same way, that you get edges on you that are kind of rough, and we need people around us that can sharpen us in life so that we can cut like we're supposed to, and food tastes better even. And again, this isn't just for us. This is because we are to be about bringing God's kingdom on earth right here, right now, as it is in heaven. We're to be about his business. This is about the gospel, the proclamation to the world that Jesus is, in fact, king. That the central character in this whole deal is Jesus Christ and that somehow Jesus broke into this world. God, in the flesh, came and dwelt among us. He was crucified, died, and most importantly, this time of year, what we celebrate is that Jesus is alive. Amen? He's alive. And he is king, and he did this to rescue the world, and in and through Jesus, God has opened up this new world, and he's inaugurated the kingdom of God, and God has invited you, every single one of you, to participate in that new world. If we're going to make it past Palm Sunday, if we're going to continue to move forward with God in our lives, you've got to move past a disconnected, irregular connection with the church and move into being planted and connected in a regular and consistent way. Just like Jesus, he was talking to his disciples in Mark. He was talking to one and he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repenting means turn and follow me. You were going this direction, now turn and follow me. Maybe you've been approaching being a mom in this way. Maybe you've been approaching being a dad or your job or your company or how you handle money or how you handle power, how you handle sex, how you handle relationships, how you handle these things. You're moving in this way and God said, hey, there's a new way. Repent, believe, come follow me and we're supposed to follow God. Jesus was saying that you're going the wrong way. You've got to turn around because God is doing a new thing. And if you want to be a part of that new thing, you've got to give up your old way that you've been going and follow Jesus Christ to participate in this kingdom of God. So number one, we do this <clears throat> yelling, crucify him instead of Hosanna when we don't regularly connect in like we should. Number two, Many of us will be praising God and shouting Hosanna when things are going well, and when trials come your way, you shall crucify him with your response and your actions. This is hard. James chapter one, it says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Other translations say, consider it a joy when it's coming at you from all sides. Isn't that exciting, and isn't it a joy when you're going through a test? Woo! We love that, don't we? No one likes it. But the Bible says somehow it's a good thing. Somehow you gotta consider it a joy. Somehow if you stick in with what you're going through, somehow God's kingdom starts to break forth in this world. And when we're getting it, when we're tempted, just like those during Holy Week that didn't get what was going on and what their expectations weren't quite met, they were looking for an earthly kingdom where all would be made right. And someday all will be made right. Jesus is coming back again and he will make all things right. But until then, we will face tests. We will face challenges in our lives. And James goes on to say, you know that under pressure, when you're going through that, it feels like pressure on your life. It says your faith life is forced into the open. 
and it's a chance for it to show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. He says, hey, don't try to get out of this stuff too quick. Why does he say that? Because when we're going through a trying time, the temptation is there over and over and over again to check out. And he's encouraging you to say, hey, don't do that. Don't check out during your holy week. Stay connected with God. Let it do, it, let it do its work in you so that you can become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. It says this in verse 12. It says, anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is a mighty fortunate individual. For such persons, loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. On the other side of sticking it out through a test, life comes out of the other side. John 16:33, Jesus said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have troubles in this world. He just promised he'd be with you in the middle of it. If you're going through something, know that Jesus is with you in the middle of all of it. When we face moments of trouble, when we face tests in our life, when you face a challenge in your life, you've got a choice. You can go one of two different directions. It's like driving down a road and you're going this way and all of a sudden you hit a Y in the road and you've got a choice. Am I gonna go this way or am I going to go this way? Am I going to draw closer to God in the middle of this or am I going to draw away from God? Anytime we face a test, it's a life test. Are we going to, what are we gonna do? There's always a decision at that point. Are you gonna draw closer to God or are you going to move away from God? And just like the Jewish people, who in the moment of trial moved away from God. They missed what was going on. We are tempted to do the exact same thing. So how do we build our lives in a way so that when we're tempted, rather than moving away from God, that we draw closer to him? You gotta soak and immerse yourself in the scripture, the word of God. You gotta, faith comes by hearing, it says. You gotta hear this stuff. You gotta soak yourself in prayer. The way to get to learn how to live this new life we've been called to is through the word of God, through prayer, through participating with the church and his people. As I come to a close today, I wanna talk about this dramatic shift that has taken place because of Jesus, because of the cross, and because of his resurrection. This journey towards Easter begins in this moment of Jesus' life where he's baptized. This Wednesday night at all of our campuses we'll be baptizing people. And you might remember Jesus when he was baptized, the heavens were torn open and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And Jesus is then sent into the wilderness where he's tempted and tried. And Jesus comes out of that wilderness demonstrating and preaching and doing the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming into this world is about the dawn of something altogether brand new in this world. Colossians talks about this newness. It says this in 127. It says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what the new kingdom is all about. This is the new living we've been called to. This is about you not doing as good as you can. This is about you yielding and abandoning your life to Jesus, hooking yourself on with God. The hope we carry is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's by his power 
that we can be about making this business of the kingdom of God and the glorious riches of this mystery known to the world around us. Palm Sunday is about joining with Jesus on this journey to the cross. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and I pray for everyone that is here today at each one of our campuses, those online, those that might be listening to this even a week later, God. There is something inside of us where we need other people around us. As Proverbs said that iron sharpens iron. We need to be around others that'll make us sharp in life so that we don't have Palm Sunday moments where we praise you and then we turn our backs to you when times get tough, God. We need to learn how to stick it out when times are tough. We need others around us to encourage us. God, I pray that we would be people that would connect in with you and his people in a deep and meaningful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.